minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national and international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. This program is broadcast via the Community Radio Network. It is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. My name's Joseph Toscano. I'm hosting uh, this week's edition of the Anarchist World This Week. Just uh, to warn you, next week and the week after, that's the last week in December and the first week in January, the programs will be pre-recorded. Next week's program will be analysis of the Eureka Rebellion. And the first week in January will be a program about Tanamanua and Mulbohina and the uh, colonial resistance and the celebration which we hold on the 20th of January every year in Melbourne town. So they will, will be pre-recorded. So uh, you're welcome to listen in. You're welcome not to listen in. I'm having a two-week break. I will be back. Like Arnie, I will be back on the 10th of January. This is the Anarchist World This Week. If you know what Anarchy is all about, Anarchist Society is a voluntary non-hierarchical society which is based on the creation of political and social structures which are based on direct democratic principles where the people involved in a decision make that decision and appoint or elect delegates to coordinate those decisions at a local, regional or national level. It's a society where wealth is held in common and used for the common good. Simple concepts, and our costs without rulers. How do you create a society without rulers? You devolve power and you share wealth. It's inequalities in power and wealth which have created the society we live in today. An unequal society where people's futures, lives and deaths are determined by other people who have stolen our resources for their personal use. It's very simple. You look around the world today, it's quite interesting. I mean, the Af- African National Congress has had a, uh, an election for a new leader, billionaire elected, Australia, Prime Minister, one of the world's richest people, the head of the Chinese Communist Party's billionaire, Trump, US of A, billionaire, the list goes on and on. It seems like you've got to have a lot of money to be a, a leader in a so-called parliamentary democracy. But that's, that's, that's an interesting concept. So what are we going to do today? Well, it's going to be a reflective program. I'm not going to bore you by looking at what's happened during the year. You know what's happened during the year. I know what's happened during the year. What we've seen is a concentration of power in fewer and fewer hands. And what we've seen is the inequalities that exist in the world 
become greater and greater across the globe, whether it's in Australia, whether it's in, it's in, it's in Zimbabwe, whether it's Grenada. We see that on a daily basis. And you know that what we've seen is the state apparatus being used to ensure that the inequalities which exist continue to exist. So I'm not going to bore you and talk about what's happened. But I am quite reflective today, and I want to, I want to reflect on what we're trying to do, how we want to change society, what our role is. And although one of my great mottos is not to look back, sometimes we need to look back in order to set the record straight. Because the great thing about living in 21st century society is how the political, social, cultural and popular record is altered, doctored, to suit current political aspirations and social aspirations. It's quite interesting. I've always made it a great feature of the type of activity I've been involved in to analyse the past, because we are here today, in this country, here, because of the actions, the ideas, the blood, the sweat and the tears of generations of Australians, generations of people living on this continent who have refused to doff their cap, who have refused to say, what next, Master? We are, that is their legacy to us, and for us to allow those who rewrite history every day in order to reinforce their blighted analysis is wrong. We need to oppose this. We need to set the record straight. And as I said before, many of the activities that I'm involved in and have been instrumental in organising have been about setting the record straight, have been about giving thanks. And Christmas is a time to give thanks. Giving thanks for the sacrifices that others have made in order that we can enjoy what we have today. If it wasn't for the struggles of ordinary men and women and the trade union movement in this country, I can assure you, you would not be enjoying holidays. You would not live in a society where there was a minimum wage, theoretically a minimum wage. You would not be living in a society where your children are educated. You would not be living in a society where you had access to health care because the story of the 20th century was a story of revolutionary change where the state was transformed from an organ of oppression an organ which was used to ensure the inequalities that existed continued to exist to an organ where it had to begin to provide for the basic needs of the people living in that state, its citizens. 
So we need to remember all those activists, some jailed, some killed, who had the tenacity and the courage to change society to ensure that we all began to drink from the same trough. Whether it's the trade union movement, whether it's rank and file action, whether it's extra parliamentary, political and social and cultural action, it is important that they are remembered. Not for the sake of remembering, but it's important for us to remember how we got here, how it was their sacrifices which brought us to this point. Another important point to set the historical record right. For far too long, for far too long, in this country, we have denied the origins of the Australian state. And we continue, continue to do our best, not just in backyard barbecues, but in the judicial system, the bureaucracy, the political system, to deny the undeniable fact that this country was inhabited before European colonisation began in 1788, when a penal settlement was set up on Sydney Cove. We continue to deny, despite the Mabo ruling on the 3rd of June 1992, that Indigenous Australians had rights to land in law because of their prior occupation of this land. We continue to deny that foundation story which was based on dispossession, murder, rape, imprisonment. And we continue to have historical amnesia because it suits those people who continue to maintain power through inequalities in power and wealth, who continue to maintain that power. Because if there are questions about the way their wealth was acquired, then there are questions about the wealth they hold today. So I think it's important that we set the record straight regarding the colonisation process and the unfinished business that exists between Indigenous and non-Indigenous Australians, between Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders and the rest of the community, whether you're born here or whether you're a recent immigrant here. And the whole Tanaminawaya Mōbōhina saga, which began in 2006, was based on on the idea through protest action of forcing the authorities to recognise the frontier wars which were fought for over 120 years between the original inhabitants and the colonisers. And although the original inhabitants lost those wars, they never have never ceded sovereignty their sovereign rights to these land, to their lands. And that's what the Tanaminoya Mōbōhina struggle was all about. And the fact that we were able, through consistent action over 12 years, to ensure that a significant monument was erected in this city 
at the site of Tanaminoe Morbohini's execution on the 20th of January 1842 to acknowledge the frontier wars, a monument, a significant monument in a major capital city in this in this country, is a significant achievement. And once again, it's one thing having a monument. It's another thing ensuring that we continue to recognise that story. And once again, I would like to, as the chairperson of the Tanaminoe Morbohini Commemoration Committee, I'd like to invite you to join us on Saturday, the 20th of January, 2018, at midday, at the Monument, which is at the corner of Franklin Street and Victoria Street in the city. A bit of a construction work going on. Don't worry about the construction work. Plenty of space. Bring the children. This is about ensuring what has been forgotten, buried, shunted aside, is brought into the light. And it's important that you bring your children to this commemoration so that they will be able to carry on that struggle long after we have died. And we're all going to die. It's a fact. It's a fact. So midday to 1pm, got a bevy of speakers I'll speak about next year, Saturday the 20th of January, and then at 1pm we walk across to the Queen Victoria markets to what we believe is their last resting site. So put it in your calendar. The first major activity for 2008, the Tanaminoe Morbohini Commemoration Ceremony at the monument at the corner of Franklin and Victoria Street here in Melbourne. Again, across this country there are myriads of stories. The bones of countless Men, women and children lie buried, cremated across this country from north to south, east to west of people who paid the ultimate price for the heinous crime of trying to protect their lands, their language, their children, their way of life. So we need to set the record straight. So I keep saying to people, setting the record straight is an essential feature of being an activist, an essential feature of being a revolutionary. As George Orwell said, telling the truth is a revolutionary act because telling the truth about what is signified as contested history, and there is no contested history, there's truth and there's false. Same with Eureka. We have elements in the society who somehow think the Eureka Rebellion was some type of racist revolution. Nothing could be farther from the truth. We have people in the society in positions of power who think it was a revolt by small business people. Nothing from the truth. It was a full-blown attempt by people to organise their lives on egalitarian principles. And the main elements of that rebellion were direct democracy, direct action, internationalism and solidarity, things that we honour today. Anzac Day, another blight 
on the historical record, the way it has been used and misused by governments and conservative and reactionary elements in society to push a pro-war agenda. When we all know the First World War was a war fought by workers at either end of a bayonet for the glory of God, king and country. Nothing else, not freedom, not democracy. But if you listen, read, watch the historical record, you'd be forgiven for thinking it was something else. Every time some descendant gets up and says to me, well, they died in World War I for freedom, I just, my eyes glaze over, I nearly, nearly tears. So setting the record straight is an essential element of being a radical activist. I'm not saying to you, forget about the past. I'm saying to you, the past influences, influences the present and is the springboard to change the future. And we need to set the record straight against powerful elements in our society who want to falsify, change that record in order to reinforce their worldview. And nothing has been more prominent in in Australian society than this attempt to falsify history, this attempt to falsify where all the rights and liberties which we enjoy today have come from. So look back to set the record straight. Don't look back to think, well, if only things were different. Things are not different. But we can set the record straight about what actually happened. The next battleground that every activist needs to deal with is language. Language is a cudgel. Language is a hammer. Language is a nuclear bomb. It is fundamental to how we view what is happening around us and in the world today. It is fundamental. And every good, in inverted commas, megalomaniac and dictator understands the power of language. And for the last 40 years in this country, well, the last 42 years in this country, since the overthrow of the Whitlam-led Labor government, which passed more reforms in three and a half years than have been passed since the beginning of the 20th century, we have seen language used as a battering ram. To such an extent that 99.9% of the population now uses, avertently or inadvertently, language to reinforce a conservative reactionary view of the world. And the most important word that is misused in this country in the last year has been the word welfare. It is used as a cudgel. Even this morning, today, I heard government ministers talk about welfare. We want to take people off welfare and put them into jobs. 
They forgot to say poorly paid, part-time, irrelevant jobs. Welfare. We don't have a welfare system. We have a social security system. We built a system to give personal security to people who find themselves in difficult circumstances, whether they're disabled, whether they're single parents, whether they're unemployed, whether they're elderly, whether they're sick. It's not welfare. It is a social security system. It is a system which is in place to maintain a cohesive, peaceful society. But every day, in the social media, in the newspapers, on radio, on television, from the mouths of government representatives, bureaucrats, people in the not-for-government sector, we continue to hear the word welfare. And it gets better. Then we have political correctness, which seems to be the word of the day. Every time some minority group in Australia puts up its head above the parapet and says, what about me? What about me? What have you been doing to me? What about my needs? What about my rights? It's dismissed as political correctness. So every time the status quo is challenged, every time those people who assume power, who concentrate wealth in their hands, their existence is questioned by a minority group which says to the majority, what about me? What about what I've suffered over the, over the decades? Isn't it time that I had a place in the sun? Isn't it time that I stood with you? Maybe you should think about what you're saying. Maybe it's hurtful. It's dismissed as political correctness. And we have this huge movement in the Western world which is against political correctness, which in the majority of cases is the attempts of people who've been ostracised, marginalised in society to ensure their voice is heard and their rights are respected. Then we have this huge kerfuffle today about removing the word public from social discourse. In an era of wholesale privatisation, where you privatise prisons, you privatise the social security system, you privatise homelessness, you privatise public housing, you privatise education, the list goes on and on, the word public has now become taboo. Taboo. We've got the ridiculous situation in Victoria where the words social housing, affordable housing, community housing, public housing are rolled into one. Everybody talks about social housing. 
or public housing is publicly owned and publicly managed. Social housing, community housing, is privately owned and privately managed. It may be subsidised by government to a large degree, but it is still privately owned and privately managed. We have churches who've grown fat, fat, on the privatisation of the social security system. Today, there are more people employed looking after, in inverted commas, the homeless than there are homeless. It's become an industry. It's a business. What's wrong with the word public? I was listening to some idiot talk about the energy sector. the energy sector. I think to myself, you got corporations that own the poles, that own the lines, that own the distribution, that own the manufacture. It goes on and on. Everybody gets their cut. The privatisation of essential services means that everybody except the consumer gets their cut. And who pays for everybody getting their cut? The consumer. So words are cudgels and we need to be able to use words in a positive sense we don't need just to react and that's an essential problem of activism reformers and revolutionaries in this country the fact that 99.9% are reacting reacting, reacting, reacting Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. My name is Joseph Toscano. I'm hosting today's program. You can send messages, email messages to anarchistage at yahoo.com, anarchistage at yahoo.com. You can write to us, yes, we still answer letters, Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can leave messages on 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. You can go to the Public Interest Before Corporate Interest website and download the application form to join Public Interest Before Corporate Interest. PIPCPIBCI.net. You can go to my personal Facebook page, Toscano, T O S C A N O, for the public. The number for the public see the events that we're involved in. And nextly, I'd just like to thank, it's been a long year and it's been a difficult year for many people. And it's been a particularly difficult year for myself as my wife and partner for the last 43 years, Ellen Jose, died on the 2nd of June this year. I'd like to Thank all those people who offered their support in a practical way and and also non-practical way. I'd like to thank all those people who came to Ellen's funeral on the 16th of uh, June at Ricketts Point in Melbourne. An extraordinary outpouring of affection for an extraordinary woman who had been beside me for over 40 years and who was instrumental in initiating many of the campaigns that we together promoted over the last 40 years across this country. So it is a difficult time, but 
Life moves on. But I'd like to publicly thank all those people who have supported us during this period, especially all those who came to Ellen's funeral, where we attempted to bring the islands, the Torres Strait Islands, to her in Melbourne, as we couldn't take her back to the islands. Or we didn't want to take her back to the islands. We wanted her to be farewelled among the people she loved and worked with. So it's a but. It's been six months and, as I said before, life moves on. We pick new threads. We start to form new blankets. We weave new blankets and new bags. And I'd especially like to thank those people who turned up on the 3rd of June, the day after Ellen died, to support us, my family and myself, during the 25th anniversary of the historic Marbo celebrations, which Ellen was instrumental, involved in, here in uh, Melbourne, to celebrate the 25th anniversary of that extraordinary decision. And I'd like to thank all those people who've participated in many of the activities that we organised during 2017. The Tana Minawai commemoration, the Eureka celebrations, which we've just had on the 3rd of December, all those people involved, the Wednesday Action Group, all those people involved in the public interest before corporate interests, the local branches that have been established over the last, uh, last year, the functioning branches that have been established, whose aim it is not only to register public interest before corporate interests as a federal political party, but whose aim it is to ensure that the interests of the, the many are always put before the interests of the few in our society. I'd like to thank all those people who support the West Papuan Rent Collective, who for the last three and a half years have been providing over $2,500 a month to maintain the West Papuan Embassy in Melbourne, in Docklands. And we're always looking for new members, a dollar a day. Think about it. What can you do for a dollar a day? In this situation, you become involved in a struggle to ensure that people who've been some of the most oppressed people on this planet can create their own identity. And I'd like to thank all those people who've been involved in many of the protest actions that we've organised over the year. Because without your support, these actions wouldn't occur. The Defend and Extend Public Housing Group, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest Group, and the list goes on and on. Because, see, the key success, and we have been successful despite failures, as a group, as an organisation, as a mass of people, we have been successful. Because we don't just pursue issues. Because issues can be resolved within a capitalist framework. We saw the gay marriage issue resolved. End of issue. The earth didn't come to an end. There wasn't riot in the streets. Bang. People in our society can now 
marry irrespective of their sexual orientation. It's an issue. There are other issues. You know them. I could rattle off a hundred issues now. But the Anarchist World this week is not about reacting. It's not about supporting specific issues. It's about fundamental, radical change which makes significant difference to many, many people. It's about structural change. It's about political change. It's about change which is based on egalitarian principles. It's about change which is based on the idea that we all own the earth in common. So we look back to set the record straight. We utilise language in order to put our message across. Most, most importantly of all, we need to become active. Sitting at a computer isn't enough. Talking to your friends isn't enough. Putting a brick for your television screen isn't enough. Going out on the street and shouting your head off and being bundled away in a police car isn't enough. Because in an era when most Australians have been transformed, transformed into cringing, carping consumers, it's important that we, as individuals and as a movement, highlight the fact that in order to be a concerned, active citizen, the act of being a concerned, active citizen is not limited to the act of casting a ballot every three to four years and then sitting back and saying, oh, tut, tut, that, I don't like that, I like that, I don't like that, and then three or four years' time, put in your faith another bunch of people. Hmm? It's about transforming the political process so you don't have to put your faith in people to do the right thing by you. That you don't have to wait to be drip-fed You know, by society, by the state. So it's about becoming active. It's about getting out of your armchair. It's about opening the door to your home. It's about walking out to the street. It's about meeting like-minded people. It's about going to boring meetings. It's about organising activities. But fundamentally, it's about transformation, not just as an individual, because we can transform ourselves individually and still achieve nothing for those around us, but it's about ensuring that the apparatuses which exist and which need to be destroyed and which need to be recreated deliver to the many, not the few. So if there's one thing, one thing you should think about if you've set the record straight and if you, you know, you've grasped the importance of language is what are you going to do next year? You know, life's limited. I'm at the end of my life. I'm in the final phase. And maybe many of the listeners to this program are in the final phase. But there may be some listeners who are just starting off on their journey. 
But it doesn't matter what part of the journey you're on. You can become an activist. You can become involved in that struggle for fundamental, radical, egalitarian change which is based on the concepts of devolving power and sharing wealth. Now, it's not an easy road. You're not going to be thanked. You won't find yourselves in the Australia Day, or I should say the Invasion Day, or the Queen's Birthdays Honours List. And you may find yourself in a police station, and you may find yourself rotting in a cell. But ultimately, it's those people who take action are those people who will transform society. It's not good enough to be waiting, really, is it? I've got a lot of things planned for next year. You may like them, you may not. But that doesn't stop you from actually initiating action, initiating change. Because we all have that capacity to do this, although we may feel inadequate, we may feel, what's the point? We may feel that it's just a waste of our time. But ultimately, it's not a waste of your time, whether you succeed or don't succeed. It's not a waste of your time because what you are doing is you are setting a new agenda, not just for yourself, but the people you are trying to influence. An agenda which isn't based on reacting to them taking things away or an agenda which is not based on complaining and you know, becoming a, a carping, cringing consumer. So action is fundamental to being an activist, a radical activist. It is fundamental. And action taken with other people is fundamental for that change to become not just desirable, but possible. And change is possible. Everything in human existence, everything in human life, everything in human history points to the fact that human beings are capable of change. And today, we find ourselves in a situation where we think, what's the point? Sapped of confidence and energy, we think, what's the point? Well, the point is very simple. If you want those people around you, those people you love, those people you interact with, to have the same opportunities in life as everybody else, we need to create the social and cultural and political economic infrastructure which gives all of us that potential to develop ourselves to our fullest potential. And we're the only ones who are going to do it. Nobody else is going to do it for us. And that's why in late, or I think it was April 2015, we set up public interest before corporate interests. It was a very simple concept. The concept was to form a federal political party which continually put the public interest before the corporate interest, put the interests of the many before the interests of the few. It's not a radical idea. It's a very simple idea. And if you think you live in a democratic society, you would think it'd be fundamental. But unfortunately, uptake has been slow, much slower than I expected. And the reason is, most people say, well, what's the point? What's the point? People have a hundred excuses 
and sink things before things even start. What's the point? And that's what people in authority want us to believe. There's no point. There's no point fighting City Hall. You're going to lose. There's no point initiating change. It's not going to occur. There's no point standing in the parliamentary elections because you haven't got the money to change things. There's no point. And once we, as a people, we believe there's no point, well, those who exercise power will continue to exercise power and concentrate power in their hands. And we allow them by believing there's no point. Do you think I'd be here every week for the last 40 years if I, did, if I thought there was no point? If I thought we couldn't win? If I thought we couldn't have victories in the meanwhile? If I thought we couldn't influence the direction society goes in, of course I wouldn't be wasting my time. I'd be sleeping. So there is a point. The next point. You need space. We need space in which to be politically active. And what we've seen in this country and around the world over the last 40 years is that space for freedom of association freedom of speech, political activity, slowly, slowly taking away. And nothing highlights this than the, than the trials and tribulations of the Wednesday Action Group, a little group in, in Melbourne which for the last 18 years has been reclaiming the streets to highlight current political campaigns. And all the time they're confronted by private security and police because they've got the audacity to reclaim a little bit of public space. See, this is the problem a lot of activists are facing, not just in Australia but around the world. We are seeing those rights and freedoms which we believe, we thought we were born with, being removed. And the problem is particularly, particularly acute in Australia... Because we have a constitution in Australia that is essentially a document which regulates the relationship between the central government and the state governments. A document which regulates the relationships between the central government and the state governments in a federal system. And when the constitution was put to the people in 1900, it was specifically specifically the question of human rights was not incorporated in the Australian Constitution. So if there are no, Australians have no constitutional rights except possibly f- to the right to freedom of religious belief and possibly the right to receive fair compensation if your land is compulsorily acquired. But if they have no political rights in the Australian Constitution, what that means is that Parliament, that any group which has the majority in both houses of Parliament can remove any right it wishes. And what we've seen over the last 20 years in the hysteria surrounding the rise of uh, fundamentalist terrorism, both from a religious direction and from a uh, far-right direction, What we've seen is legislation come in which removes those very rights and liberties we're supposed to enjoy in this country. 
So not having a Bill of Rights in the Australian Constitution can make life particularly difficult. If the Australian Attorney-General wants, I'm talking about the new one, not the one who's going to uh, London next year, they could ban us from speaking. The Attorney-General has the power to ban any political group it believes could be a threat to society. Obviously, things like the anarchist will this week aren't banned because we obviously have no influence. If we had influence, we'd be banned tomorrow and we could legally be banned and if you continue to support us, you could be jailed for up to 25 years and if you raise money to support us, our, our legal campaign, you could be jailed for up to 25 years. So that legislation is now in place which removes that political space, that space that we have where we can actually openly agitate, openly organise, openly associate with like-minded people. So the fact there are no constitutional protections for human rights in this country is an exceptionally difficult hurdle for radical activists to negotiate, to jump over. And lastly, the economy. I think the highlight of 2017, if you want to call it a highlight, is the emergences of green capitalism as a major economic force in this country. A lot of people have somehow believed that the green movement itself would be an anti-capitalist movement. And small sections are, but the majority of the green movement has it's developing and redeveloping, being taken over by the corporate sector, has a pro-capitalist agenda. I mean, you can make money by creating alternative energy. You can make money by changing economic direction. So you get green billionaires, and they're already emerging as we've got IT billionaires. They're already emerging. So capitalism is on the rise. It's been defined, redefined. It defines and redefined itself. It grows and regrows. It changes its shape. But the basis of capitalism is very simple. You make a buck on somebody else's effort. It's very simple. Whether you sit back and you've got disposable income and use the Australia's tax-free laws. So what's our economy based on? The mixed economy has been destroyed. In the past, we had an economy where you had the private sector and you had the public sector. Privatisation has destroyed most of the public sector and continuing privatisation will ensure that the marketplace is dominated by unaccountable corporations whose major responsibility is to create ever-increasing profits for their major shareholders, irrespective of the human, social and environmental costs. We know that. But what we've seen now is corporate capitalism redefine itself with a more significant section of corporate capitalism becoming green capitalism, green corporate capitalism, because people have begun to understand, including BHP, that climate change is real, 
that we need to do something about it and you can make a profit from doing something about it. But we're not interested in ensuring that this unequal society that we have continues. We're not interested in having rulers tell us how to live our lives. So we need to be looking at a different economic system, one not based on the mixed economy, not based on private private wealth, not based on public jobs. I think it's time that we began to take the question of an alternative economy seriously. An economy which isn't based on part-time casual labour or casualised workforce, but an economy which provides a decent return to the people involved in that economic activity but never makes them rich. An economy which can provide training for people. An economy which can provide people's basic human needs. And I'm talking about the development of cooperatives and collectives as an alternative economic stream within current Australian society. You don't need revolutionary change. But within, it becomes a new stream. You have a private sector, a public sector, cooperative, collective sector. And we've seen in many places around the world the rise and rise of the collective, cooperative sector because what it does, it allows people to work together locally, locally, to look after their own economic needs and provide goods and services to the people around them. So it's the direct antithesis to globalisation and corporatisation. We've got local production, local people coming together. The main problem in a capitalist society is seeding funding. How do you get the money for an economy which is based on cooperatives and collectives? And I've, as I said before on this program, we should be thinking about using maybe 1% of superannuation fund money, the trillion dollars that's there, what is it, $10 billion, to actually act as seeding funding, funding for cooperatives, the establishment of cooperatives and collectives. Because this is the way future. It's about creating an alternative economic system which is based on the concept of sharing wealth, not increasing inequality and not ensuring that power is concentrated in fewer and fewer hands, as we see today. So you've been listening to The Anarchist World this week, all through 2017. Next week the program will be pre-recorded, it will be more of a historical analysis of the Eureka Rebellion, and the week after, the first week in January, it will be pre-recorded, it will be about the Tanaminoa and Mulmohina campaign. So I encourage you to listen in next week, and the week after, and come back on the 10th of January to listen to me resume live broadcasts. As listeners, it's up to you what you do. You can sit back, think your life's come to an end and, you know, plan for the life after death. Or you can get involved in activities. There are many activities, not just the activities we plan, but there are other activities Look a little bit further than an issue-orientated campaign. Look further towards campaigns which may have a major effect on the way society is transformed because that's what we lack in Australia today. 
You've been listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. You can write to me on Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can join public interest before corporate interest by going to the website, download the applications form, pibci, P-I-B-C-I dot net. Fill in the application form, email it back, post it back. Haven't got a computer, want an application form? You can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Haven't got a pen? You can always leave your leave a contact address on on um, 0439. 395-489-0439-395-489. Interested in the activities we've got planned for 2018? Want to get involved? Go to my Facebook page, Toscano, T-O-S-C-A-N-O, the number for the public. Toscano for the public. Thank you for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station via the, via the Community Radio Network. I encourage you to become active next year. Join us, become active, get involved, get a purpose to life, do something that will make a significant difference, not just to your life but to the life of other people. I'd like to thank all those people that have uh, supported us during the year and have supported over the decades. Uh, That support has been invaluable. Without your support, we would just be another voice crying in the wilderness. Listen in to your local community radio station for the Anarchist World this week, next week. And also like to thank all those folk at the Community Radio Network that make it possible for this program to be broadcast across Australia, north to south, east to west, in every state and every territory. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. Listen in next week and uh, remember, keep a smile on your face when you're creating that new world in your heart. That's it for 2017. Pre-recorded programs on the 27th and the first Wednesday in January. They'll be fascinating. I won't be listening to them. I'll be in an area where there's no TV, no radio, no internet. And if the D word comes into your mind, desert, you may have it. And if I run into you somewhere in a desert... In the Australian wilderness, nod, but don't talk to me. Thank you once again for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station via the Community Radio Network. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week, Australia's Sacred Cow Slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, Lord, yeah!